Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. In recent years, there have been about 2,000 electric trucks on the roads in the U.S. That's as of 2019. Uh, this particular classification of electrical vehicle is expected to grow to over 54,000 by the year 2025. Now, this is according to a new analysis from a, a company called Wood McKenzie in the U.S. In, uh, on the West Coast in San Francisco. Joining us on the line to talk about this research is Kelly McCoy, research associate at Wood McKenzie Grid Edge. Kelly, welcome to Weekend Mornings. Welcome to Singapore. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on today. And I read your article, this research that you had done about uh, this electric truck industry in the U.S., and it's now beginning to receive more policy and financial support. Uh, give us kind mm-hmm. of an overview of, of your research and the article that, that you uh, recently posted. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm a research associate um, within the Wood McKenzie Grid Edge practice, and I specifically focus on electric vehicle charging infrastructure, not just exclusively focusing on charging infrastructure for trucks, but charging infrastructure across all different um, vehicle classes. And the article that you're talking about was focusing on a case study I wrote in California that was testing 23 electric heavy-duty Class 8 trucks. Um, I know the classification system is different around the world. Those are the trucks that you see transporting the big containers, for example, what you would see transporting the containers from the port of Singapore up to, you know, Malaysia and all those places. Sure. Um, And the reason that I wanted to highlight this particular case study was because of the unique financial mechanisms that the fleet operators were able to take advantage of, as well as the unique charging strategy that these fleet operators were going for. With 54,000 trucks, you can imagine that the electricity demand from those trucks is going to be enormous. Yeah. Um, now, is that a state so of California? Really oh, sorry, Kelly. Is that a state of California initiative, or is that a, a U.S. national initiative? This is just in... Uh, a demonstration project in Southern California. Um, California just passed this zero emission, medium and heavy duty truck sales target. So I believe it's by 2050, they want all sales of new heavy duty and medium duty trucks to be zero emission. So not just electric, that could be hydrogen fuel cell, um, things like that. Yeah, and I was reading in your article that medium to heavy duty vehicles, MDV, HDV, are the second largest mm-hmm. contributor to U.S. transportation emissions. And I would imagine yeah. those kind of figures would be relatively similar in Singapore and across Southeast Asia. So can you give us mm-hmm. some sort of basic guidelines on how, what sort of carbon footprint you get from these vehicles, how many carbon emissions are saved and so on? Yes, I don't. That really depends on where the vehicle is located because you are using electricity to power yes. the vehicle. So if you are in a location like California that has a lot of renewables on the grid, the emissions from an electric truck doesn't necessarily have tailpipe emissions, but you know the life cycle emissions from that vehicle are going to be dramatically lower than if you're using a diesel truck. So that's interesting because, you know, the automatic assumption to the layman is that an all-electric vehicle has to have a smaller carbon footprint than traditional fossil fuels. But then, of course, you have to offset that against the fact that if it's powered by electricity, you then have to look Mm -hmm. at what's powering the electricity. Are fossil fuels being used to power the electricity grids? What is powering that electricity? Is that correct? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Correct. And that has been um, a big point of debate among just regular passenger EV adopters saying that, you know, if I have drive an EV maybe in the northwest of the United States, it might not be as clean as if I drive it in California. What are the emissions reduction benefits that you're getting really across the board there? It depends on your location. Yeah, you know, But at the street level, for example, in communities, mm-hmm. the air would be, one would assume, cleaner, right? If you don't have mm-hmm. a lot of diesel trucks belching out uh, pollution at, at road level. And so who knows what that might save, maybe respiratory exactly. ailments from people or kids or whatever. Uh, I, I know that's a that's exactly. a complex kind of issue that perhaps you haven't really dealt dealt with too much. But let's get back to the trucks themselves, because many of mm-hmm. these medium and heavy duty vehicles, uh, they're they're traveling less than 300 miles. And so, you know, the range for these trucks is there, is it not? It is for the, you know, city and regional hall. So I imagine if you have a um, like delivery, electric delivery van, making deliveries locally in Singapore to probably go with just charging overnight and not, you know, have to deal with charging throughout the day at fast chargers. At fast chargers. Sure. And are these chargers, are you talking about fast charging? Are you talking about just trickle charge? Or, or is that what you're looking at, how those, both of those types of uh, charging facilities would work? So for the medium and heavy duty sector, most chargers, would be considered fast chargers starting at 50 kilowatts. Just because of the battery size of particularly the heavy-duty vehicles, they mm-hmm. need something, um, they need a more high-powered charger. <laughs> sure, sure. We're talking with Kelly McCoy, Research Associate with Wood McKenzie Grid Edge. And Kelly, you know, we have a lot of listeners yep. who may run small and medium-sized businesses that rely upon trucks for deliveries and so on, mm-hmm. you know, and make regular trips, but small trips regularly through the course of a day. I mean, just in broad terms for our listeners, what would be some of the benefits and negatives of these electric trucks? Yeah, so uh, when you compare an electric truck um, versus a diesel truck, I will say that obviously the electric truck is going to be more expensive to purchase up front. And, you know, you do have to install a charger at, you know, your warehouse. Um, But over the lifetime of the truck, the what you would call fuel costs, are significantly cheaper because electricity prices, at least here in California, um, they may be pretty high for the United States, but when you compare it on a per mile basis um, over the lifetime of the truck, those fuel costs are lower. According to this analysis that I did for this specific case study, they were 37% lower over a 12-year lifetime, Mm. um, as well as uh, maintenance costs are significantly lower. When you compare um, an electric motor versus like a diesel engine there's just less parts it's not as complex and so again the same analysis i found that maintenance costs over the 12-year lifetime were 46 percent lower for an electric truck so over the lifetime of the vehicle you are saving money you know from your operating budget and Kelly, when uh, you know California has always been very progressive uh, when it comes to mm-hmm. uh, alternative f- fuel sources and and pushing the envelope mm-hmm. in terms of regulation toward that end. But are, are you are you seeing that this might be something that's going to be kind of rolling across the U.S. Now, there's a lot of long haul trucking in the U.S., which would not necessarily be mm-hmm. appropriate for electric uh, trucks just yet, given the distances. But uh, in in other city centers on the East Coast, for example, the ports there, um, are, are you expecting that this would be something that they would be interested in as well? Absolutely. So going back to California's zero emission, medium and heavy duty um, sales target, um, 
14 other states and um, our capital, Washington, D.C., side signed um, a, mer- a memorandum of understanding that they would also adopt those targets. So that includes states like New York, New Jersey, um, that have those large ports. And they also have been very strong um, supporters of light-duty electrification. So I do believe that um, if you have, you know, like a busy port or you have a lot of free activity um, in these states, there will um, we can definitely expect more electric trucks in those regions as well. And just moving forward, is the move towards electric vehicles, be they heavy goods vehicles or regular passenger vehicles, is it somewhat inevitable or do you see a more hybrid existence between electric vehicles and more traditional fueled vehicles? That is a good question. Um, I obviously would hope that they would move more toward electric, but going back to the comment about, you know, maybe it's not the right time for long haul trucking there. I have seen some of these zero emissions funding, uh, particularly in the U.S., where you had that whole Volkswagen diesel scandal. A lot of the the money for that went to reducing emissions from the medium and heavy-duty sector. And certain states are not specifying that they want to use this for electric truck support. So they are pushing more towards clean diesel or a hybrid or, you know, hydrogen fuel cell vehicles. So I think that in the truck sector, there might be more um, of a mix. It's not mostly going to be um, electric trucks, but I do think in the passenger vehicle side, it is inevitable. And Kelly, you you work on charging not just in the truck sphere, but also in cars mm-hmm. as well. What, what are the latest developments looking like for uh, fast charging for electric vehicles. Again, if we think about people driving over 300 miles, they want to go uh, mm-hmm. you know, across the state or across the nation. What does our, our current situation, especially in the U.S., look like for the technology for that to make it realistic that people could do their car trip or their, uh, you know, their camper trip somewhere and, and still be able to reasonably um, be able to charge up along the way? Yeah, so there have been a few proposals at the national level here in the United States to develop a sort of charging infrastructure plan, uh, both, you know, on its own and as part of a bigger uh, bill. And one of the elements to that is developing a public charging network where it didn't specifically say the mileage between the two, between two charge points, but I've seen examples in China where they said, we want one fast charger every 30 miles of highway. So that, you know, if you know, you're on the road and you, you know, you stop at one charger, there's no space for you to charge. You're never more than, you know, less than 50 miles away from a charger. So I think that that is, um, we're missing a lot of initiatives like that rise globally where it's just, like you said, we need to increase the access to fast charging in order to reduce people's range anxiety fears, whether they're real or imagined, so that they convert to an EV. Just on the point there of real and imagined, I'm just curious on a broader Mm -hmm. level, what is the general mood across the US to electrical vehicles generally? The reason I ask that is because when you talk to people in Singapore, they're not adverse Mm -hmm. to the idea of it, but the first response is always cost. There's this idea that somehow they're going to be more expensive, more cumbersome, you know, less less Mm -hmm. practical and so on and so on. What is the broader view towards electric vehicles now across the US? Again, I think it really depends on where you are. Um, in California, uh, specifically San Francisco, it's you know a very forward-thinking area, and so you know you can't drive more than five minutes without seeing someone you know driving a Tesla. Mm. Um, but when I talk to people, the number like the first thing that they bring up is always 
access to charging infrastructure. But the thing is, estimates put it at about 80% of all EV charging happens at home. So if you have a charger at your home and you drive, I think in the U.S., people drive maybe on average 30 to 50 miles a day maximum. You're not going to need to charge every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be completely feasible to rely on these public fast chargers um, if there is a, you know, a really developed network and you don't have access to a charger at home. So I think that the sentiment is like they're open to it, but the charging infrastructure is kind of a pain point. All right. Kelly McCoy, Research Associate, Wood McKenzie, Grid Edge in San Francisco. Thanks for uh, coming on the line with us today, your Friday night there, and really appreciate your insight cool. into what's happening with electric trucks and charging for electric vehicles. Thank you for having me. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.